16 year old oh. in 1990 so people can walk yeah, it oh yeah give the there. game away there people are going is that all he is he looks a lot he looks a lot older now the old hair's gone <laughs> you know they switch Mbappe into the centre what's going through your mind at that point like is it well it's probably can't repeat it but is it you know it's it, just one of those things where you just gotta switch it yeah you know switch your mindset it's drop drop about 20 yards deeper Griezmann is the word for France in an outstanding display for Deschamps champs. A semi-final proves one hurdle too many for Morocco, despite a fierce effort from the Atlas Lions. We're joined by Irish independent soccer correspondent Daniel McDonald in Qatar and former Irish international Gary Breen. And if we start with you, Dan, despite a dreadful start, Morocco certainly gave their legions of fans something to shout about. They did, yeah. Um, I, I'm in the stadium still here, just to give the, the live early hours of the morning feel. Now, I will say, to be fair, there are some French fans still going down there, but they just don't get the same love as the Argentine fans in the stadium after a game an hour later because there's only around, I'd say, 250 of them. Now, they are surrounded by security and they're sort of getting into it. Uh, there's just not enough to be uh, to add to the colour of the tournament, but you couldn't hear them at full-time. Like, at full-time, I don't know if it came through on the TV, uh, that even... In the minutes before the end, there was this sort of round of applause from the Moroccan fans that went round the uh, the stadium, and at the full time whistle, like okay, naturally the French players like celebrated, but it was quickly taken over by the Moroccan applause, and the loudest roar was when they went to acknowledge their fans. I mean, it's it was well flagged that they were going to have more fans here. They in fact didn't get as many fans here as they wanted. There was seven flights laid on that were cancelled on the day. Um, still some empty seats here and like Al Boyd where this game is right it's a it's a nightmare of a stadium to reach from Doha it's sort of like try, imagine trying to get from Dublin to Dundalk but without any real public transport at all um, it's that length of journey and um, I was going to say something smart about Dundalk then but I, I won't because I'll be killed I can't go home I was going to say I was going to say you'd have to go through RD yeah I was going to say you can't go home but uh, no, I mean there's, there's a lot of fuel in this part of the world too but um, no, like it, it, it's a hard place to get to, you know, a bit chaotic in some ways. So I'd imagine there's probably a lot of Moroccans in the country who would have found it hard to get here by some of the reports that are going around the place. But they created a good atmosphere. Their team created a good game. I feared for it after five minutes, I have to say, um, you know, that, that whole sense of, you know, Morocco, their, their strength is keeping the game level for as long as possible. But in fairness to them, like they gave it a hell of a go and what I love about them during the competition is that they lose a big player and they make a sub and okay it weakens them in in certain ways I'm sure it does on the pitch to lose your captain or to lose a, a Bayern Munich player or to lose you know Aguero who's been excellent but they generally tend to keep the sum of the parts around the same um, and there was some like lesser known players who were who were excellent so I enjoyed them but in saying that, I suppose it's the final we possibly expected at the start of the week. Yeah, yeah. Gary, France were, did what they had to do, really. I mean, they, they there was a lot made of the Moroccan defence going into the game, but it was France's defence that stood firm. And in Antoine Griezmann, they had a defensive midfielder. He was like, a, he's like doing a good Kante impression. He was, seemed to be everywhere in, in that new role of his. It's amazing. We, we were saying about that, that if you think about Griezmann from this World Cup to the last one, he's an offensive player, he's getting goals, he gets strikes on goal. This time round, he's this defensive, like, 
linchpin of the team. And, and, and not only that, he's still adding that ability going forward, you know, that brilliant run to create that goal early on, just spinning the defender and getting him behind. But it's that quality. He just connects the whole team from defence to the, to the attacking outlet. And Griezmann, you, you have to remember, he, he's been struggling for, for, for games at club level recently, but I suppose we shouldn't be that surprised about how diligent he is off the ball, bearing in mind he's, he's, he's worked at Atletico Madrid for so long and how hardworking they are. But nevertheless, I think he's up there, for me anyway, for one of the players of the tournament. I know the headlines will certainly be Mbappe and Messi in the final, but he could do something special and take the crown himself. He's been unbelievably good. Mm-hmm. Dan, in the ground itself, sometimes I think with players in that kind of position, it can be hard to see on TV just how much ground they're covering. Was it noticeable in the ground, the positions that he was getting into and, you know, you can see from upon high? I was, yeah. I mean, I was pretty much in row Z here. I was in, like, the, the tactics board position. Um, that's where the Irish were dispatched here. And, I mean, there's obviously there's, there's, there's good and bad sides to that. You know, sometimes on the detail of various things, you, you struggle. But it's a little bit more like the you know, the, 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 the overhead shot. I mean, very close to that. And yeah, I mean, even when you have the head down working at a point, like you had sort of two different intervals in the second half, I just looked up and there he is making a block in the mm. defensive area. Even, even at 2-0, even at 2-0, that one late on. That was massive, Morocco, that. Yeah, because even yeah. Morocco, to be fair to them, like they, they sort of found ways in behind a couple of times. I mean, the, the, the left full who come on, in the second half, like he, he really made a couple of sort of promising advances. He plays in club football in Morocco and uh, they lost uh, Nasrari and yet they still, they, they, they found a little bit of joy, but, but Griezmann was covering and getting across. And, and I mean, in, in the England game, it was maybe even more striking, I have to say, but, but still here, I mean, maybe the England game, it was just more that maybe other players weren't performing around him in the front four. So it was a bit of everything. Like here, it seemed to be the more the defensive contributions. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what you think, Gary. I mean, are you are you impressed by France? I mean, this is a very basic question, but like, there yeah. seems to be like they they seem to sort of almost divide opinion for a team that's ninety minutes away from doing something extraordinary in terms well, of back to back World Cups. Yeah, and, and I think it's it's a it's a really valid question to ask because we were saying um, prior to coming on air here is that, that you feel like that you're always going to get a chance with France, and certainly Morocco had those opportunities late on, and you just feel that they're, they're not that convincing in certain aspects of their game and notably defensively. And I think that left-hand side can look like a weakness at times because of the fact that Ambepe is so brave, stays up the pitch, doesn't come back and help out. But nevertheless, you do look at them and think, I I felt that Kunate made a difference. I think he looked a bit more assured than they have done. But you do look at them and think, the opposition got a chance here. They're in the game. But the reality is, is that they get it done. There's something about the know-how from having been world or being world champions that... They have that the belief that they can just get the job done when we are probably watching from the outside, looking and thinking, they look vulnerable. You can get at them. And certainly the periods in the game, or certainly against England, England looked like the better team at one stage. And there were periods again tonight where you thought, Morocco are going to score. And you're right, Dan. You're just thinking then, if they were to get one back with the crowd, the adrenaline, the momentum that they would have been building, you'd have felt that France were in a little bit of trouble. But that experience and that ability just to see out those really difficult moments and get over the line. They have been impressive, no doubt. Yeah. And Gary, you mentioned there about Mbappe not, not tracking back. It was something that Deschamps made a switch in bringing on bringing on Turam. That seemed to make a big difference, putting him on the left, putting Mbappe through yeah. the middle. And maybe with Deschamps sometimes, it's a bit like Zidane, where 
he has such an array of talent in front of him that maybe sometimes he doesn't get the credit for making those type of substitutions that are very important, even with that amount of talent. Well, listen, this is a um, really hot topic of conversation at the moment regarding Southgate in England and being able to make those key decisions within a match to influence the game. And Gareth Southgate talking about being in World Cup semi-finals before the finals of Euro, has looked at someone like, like Deschamps and said, well, listen, what has he been doing? What is the difference? And you're quite right, Aidan. That was a key decision because it just looked like that with Morocco having to chase the game, they're going to get more men forward. It looked like they were getting a little bit exposed down that left-hand side. And we know that's a weak side for France anyway in, in a team that has so much talent. But that little bit of an adjustment and just bringing Tarama on the left-hand side, putting Mbappe through the front, just settled them down a little bit and just allowed them to get a little bit more control and certainly that threat. And then you see the bits of skills that Mbappe produces. I mean, wow. When he gets in those tight areas, he, he's, he's, he's electric. Mm-hmm. Dan, you've seen Mbappe a couple of times in this World Cup now. Is it... Are you, are you, more impressed by him as it goes on. I mean, he didn't have his best game against against Morocco, but again, produced a moment that just finished the game off. Yeah, I mean, it's a strange one. Like he was, in some ways, he was he was involved in more big moments tonight than he was in the England match. You could say, you know, like he left his footprint yeah. on the game a little bit more. I mean, the England game was, was you know, borderline disappointing. Like even though, like the, he still like did make that run across the pitch that did lead to the first goal. So like he did. And in some ways, like England were very, very clearly conscious of Mbappe at all times. Even sort of Kyle Walker at times was was checking back a bit. So I suppose he influenced the game without necessarily being madly impressive. Um, that little switch inside, as you mentioned, as you flag it rightly, like that, that gave him a little bit more of a chance here. Now he was, I mean, there was that sense that he might actually been injured at one stage too, that he might have been slightly inhibited by that injury after the uh, Amrabat challenge. Um, Ah, like he's a thrilling player to watch. Like, I mean, I think with Mbappe, with some of the noise around him and some of his club antics and and some of the various things would would tend to make you not that well disposed towards him. Like, I think you might even have made the point: does he get the same protection from referees that other big name players do <laughs> at times? Um, but he just has that like that ability to take off over like five, ten, fifteen yards. Like the whole stadium just erupts and is and is lifted by it and I mean he's 23 like I mean I was I feel like I was very one of the things I was very fortunate to do was see him four years ago when he was really I mean he wasn't an unknown then right like people should have known but just the sense of the that Argentina game ironically enough I mean it's it's almost brings it onto it perfectly like one of the best games I've ever attended in my life that game in Kazan the 4-3 and I, I remember like Argentina were a lot more of a rabble in that competition, really. They were a little bit all over the shop. I mean, you know, Croatia had scored three against them. They found a little bit of luck to get through. And when you think that people talk about France in that competition as maybe being almost a little bit dull in some ways, right, in terms of description. And yet they were still involved in a 4-3 when you think about it, like, you know, a sort of a iconic game. But there was one moment, like, where I think Pogba just knocked it, like a 50-yard ball over the top. And Mbappe mm-hmm. just had the chance to get the afterburners on, and it was incredible. It was incredible, and you still always believe he can he can burst into that at any moment. So I don't know how I'm more impressed by him. I mean, I think that the point is that you, because of his club stuff, we don't maybe see a huge amount of it. And even when you see him for PSG, I know Gary made the point last week in his column even that maybe PSG isn't 
built around them in the way that probably how France operate is, um, that you probably get to see him in a better light for France, definitely. But also, I think, to be fair, like he's played in some dreadful results for France this year. I haven't seen mm, all those games, yeah. but I'm guessing that he's a little bit more switched on by these, by these games too. Gary, if it isn't too stupid a question, as a centre-back, like when you're spending an hour marking Giroud and then you've got to, you know, they switch Mbappe into the centre, what's going through your mind at that point? Like, is it, well, I probably can't repeat it, but is it, you know, is it just one of those things where you just got to switch your, yeah. you know, switch your mindset? It's drop, drop about 20 yards deeper and literally be packing the goalkeeper <laughs> behind you. But no, that's the challenge, isn't it? You, you've, you've had a real physical battle up against Giroud and then suddenly this flying machine's up against you. It's, it's difficult to adjust. And I think collectively as a, as a defensive unit, it's so important how you do adjust. But Dan was saying, and, a couple of occasions tonight, Mbappe was flying, and it was only because Hakimi had that similar pace that he could just get in and lean into him in the last moment in a couple of opportunities where he'd have been in on goal. So that threat's there. But I think that although Giroud got taken off with about half an hour or so to go, I think he's going to be a key key player in this final because I'm not sure that those Argentinian defenders are going to be comfortable with the crosses that come in the box against him. I think that he could really expose them. I, I think that would be a major part of that game. Mm-hmm. How, how do you see it going, just having taken in the two semi-finals? Argentina were probably more impressive than, than France were, but at this remove, how do you see it going? It, it, do you know what, and It's one of those where you're kind of looking at the game, you're thinking, OK, there's a weakness there, they can exploit it, and then you counter that with, with another argument. Certainly, you're thinking about Alvarez, Messi, operating in that advanced right-hand side, running in behind the, the, the French fullback. I think they can get a lot of joy there. Of course they can. Whoever gets control of that midfield, how influential will Griezmann be? If they get crosses into the box, Giroud will cause the, the Argentinian centre-arts problems. I genuinely believe that. And, and I've looked at that kind of defensive unit at the beginning of this tournament, despite the fact they came into this game, in this competition with 30 game, 36 games unbeaten. I still looked at Otamende, Tagliafico, and just thought, you, could you win a World Cup with, that, with those defenders? But the reality is, is that I'm probably judging them more on their club football as opposed to when you pull on that national shirt. Now, I should know that more than anyone, is that when you put on your country's shirt, it does elevate you to another level and they have been able to be good and, and, and look reasonably sound in a way that they never never do in club football. So perhaps they'll, they'll see it through, but I don't know. I, this game could go either way. It really could. Listen, and in terms of... What would be interesting, that Aiden, they, they're not sure if they get, I'm not sure if it's been delegated to Mbappe yet, the, the, the second goal in terms of the assist. They weren't, they were kind of making the decision whether they give it to him. If they do, that means he's got five goals, three assists, exactly the same as Messi. So that head to head is built perfectly for this game. And I think in terms of the World Cup and what you're talking about, I've always believed that Messi is the greatest footballer of all time. But the argument that kind of like counters that every time against me is that he ain't won the World Cup. You know, you talk about the iconic mm. players who have Maradona, Pele, those type of games. You have to win the World Cup and I think he'll be judged by that. So if he could do that and then, then you're talking about someone at 35 coming to the end of his career up against the heir apparent at 23 years of age could potentially have two World Cup medals at 23. It's just unthinkable, isn't it? So it really is. I mean, this World Cup's been great. It has in terms of it's been unique in terms of the fact that we're, we're watching a World Cup in December. But I think it has, in terms of the, as, as a spectacle, in terms of all the um, shock results, the, the supporters, the colour we've seen, Morocco, those type of guys getting so deep in the competition, I think it's going to be a fitting final between these two teams. And can you call it at this stage? Are you going to 
or will it, is it is it too early? Will you change your mind as the day as the days go on? I think I think you I think I'll dissect it over the next couple of days and try and work out tactically what each one will do because if you think about it, Argent the Argentine coach has changed it quite a lot, hasn't he? He's played different formations at the back in midfield, and I think he stumbled across the fact that Alvarez over the likes of Martinez has made a massive difference to this Argentinian team in terms of giving them that real energy up front, which at the same time then allows Messi just to walk around. And I've never, I mean, this is why I'm in all this play is the, and, and is the greatest ever, in my opinion. The guy can walk and sometimes not even walk, just stand still. And he just creates havoc around him by doing it. He is unbelievable. Dan, obviously there's been various controversies, to put it mildly, about Qatar hosting the World Cup, but other than the, the host nation doing better than they did, having two of PSG's stars in the final probably couldn't have worked out a great deal better for the home nation. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the, the fear that they all had when uh, Argentina lost their opening game, of course, was, I mean, the stat for a team opening their losing game and going far is, 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 is grim. In fact, I mean, I remember writing it myself, like Spain are the team that have managed to do that in recent memory. They were an exceptional side and uh, they did it. And I sort of didn't think that Argentina could be classified as an exceptional side. Now, maybe it's just that there isn't any exceptional teams around at the, at the moment and it was possible to do that. Or maybe it's just a stat that means nothing, you know, like, and, and it's just it's just one of these things like, you know, trends can sometimes exist. Sometimes they mean something sometimes they don't you know um and yeah for the organizers here uh, argentina and morocco would have been noisier certainly um but i think in that sort of uh, sense of they want the eyes of the world on this global match that sort of stirs the senses you know uh Mbappe against Messi, both of of whom, of course, are on the books of a, a club that uh, Qatar own, basically. So, I mean, there's obviously good uh, good angles to that from from their perspective. But it's a genuine heavyweight clash, you know. Like, um, in the traditional sense of the word, the semi-finals weren't heavyweights, even though that's you know, disrespectful to the achievements of of Morocco and Croatia. Probably underestimates them, but we probably have this image in our own mind of these. Uh, heavyweight sort of clashes that you see on computer games that people set up, you know, Argentina v. France. Like, these games don't happen often. Um, two teams, like, you know, one team from different confederations, you know, like different continents, different parts of the world. Uh, it's a classic World Cup final. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it should be it should be very much one we look forward to. Even, Gary, just before we let you go, the third and fourth place game, they're not normally worth a great deal, but Morocco and Croatia will probably be Two countries who will be probably going for it just to just for the honour and glory of winning their final game at a World Cup. Oh yeah, without a doubt, and the kind of passion that they have for playing for their countries and to finish third at World Cup would be an incredible achievement. You know, no doubt about it. I know we talk about um, Croatia being at the last final, but I mean, to, to to what they've done with that virtually what appears to be the same team, an aging team, still it's still remarkable. You think about Modric at thirty-seven; it's amazing, but. I think they'll be yeah they'll be going. I think so often the disappointment must be so great. I mean, it's, it's disappointing to, to leave the World Cup at any stage, but to, to lose the semi final must be gut wrenching. But I'm sure both teams will be up for it. Just it'd be interesting to see just how many players are fit and available for it. Because as Dan said, the Moroccan defensive unit was just decimated today, wasn't it? One player pulls out just before the game starts. 
the captain just in the first half, a, a third defender out of that defensive unit at half time. So they're up against it. But as Dan said, those guys who come in done remarkable and I expect Croatia to do the same. Whoever gets that chance to play, I'm sure they'll be desperate to do well. Gary, can I just ask you, I mean, yeah. uh, not, not to overlap with what we've talked about previously, who have you enjoyed watching the most at this World Cup? Like, what's been the get-up-off-your-seat moment? Well, I think more. I think the biggest things in terms of getting off my seat has been the shocks throughout the tournament, Dan. You know, the underdogs really upsetting the kind of the, the normal order as such. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed watching that. Um, in terms of players, Griezmann, I've really been impressed with him, as we said earlier, of course. And But I was just saying to Aidan there, the thing for me, I've argued this my, my whole life since I've seen Messi play, that I believe he's the greatest player of all time. But the problem you have is that you, you always have the argument counted against you is that he hasn't won the World Cup. And you feel now that he could potentially do that and cement that iconic status as the best we've ever seen, well, certainly the best I've ever seen. So it does have a, a fitting kind of ring to it. But at the same time then, as he's coming towards the end of his career, you've got the new heir apparent in Mbappe who could potentially have two World Cup medals at 23. It's just, it's incredible. So I've really, I've really enjoyed this World Cup. I, I felt going into it, the build-up wasn't long enough to really get excited about it. But as soon as it started, and notably, Dan, as you said, that defeat, that Argentina, you felt, wow, this World Cup's up and running now. And they showed unbelievable character and togetherness, because at times you've looked at that Argentinian setup in previous World Cups and just felt, are they a collective? Are, are they kind of like all really digging into play against each other? Or are they? I know there's Messi as, a, as an iconic player in their team, but was there other players who wanted to be the top man? It looks like they're desperate to do well and to bring that, that trophy back to Argentina, as France will be as well. So that's why it's such an amazing final this, this weekend. Right, like, like we've we've had this point, like you know, all politics is local and all football is local. As the Irish fan, and you, do you watch this and take anything from the competition? Is there any take any encouragement from some of these underdog performances? Is it relevant? Is it is it deflating? Like you know, what what's what what's your sense watching it? Do you think we're close, or we've never been further away? Well, you you always feel, Dan, when you're not there, you feel so far away. And you were saying about towards the end of the the game tonight and th th there was a bit of a, a sol solemn acceptance on those Moroccan fans that it was over. And I saw there were shots of the crowd. You were saying how it came across and telling you it was shots of like women in tears, young boys in tears. And what it immediately made me think of was as a 16 year old and I was in tears when we lost to Italy and Scalacci's the rebound because you feel at that moment in time, we could beat Italy. We'd be in the semi-finals of a World Cup, and then anything could happen. You know, it's those type of moments. It's all about momentum in these competitions. And then, of course, you fast forward all the time. Those years later, when I'm playing, and, and you lose that penalty shootout, and you're in total, you're in tears again as a as a grown man this time, mm -hmm. because of the fact that you felt, listen, if we won that penalty shootout, we could potentially, have, you know, South Korea in the quarters, potentially Germany in the final. You know. We would, have, we would have fancied our chances. So I've looked at that and certainly from afar watched those supporters and the heartbreak and, and, and remembered it. But at the same time, I'm looking at it and thinking, we have to be at these tournaments, Dan. You know, we, we have to, the green, our colour has to be there. It's been, this World Cup's been amazing in terms of the noise and the colour. And you're thinking, yeah, can you imagine our fans there and the noise that, that, that and, and the colour that we'd have there? So I think... Certainly, as, as, a, as a retired player, I would expect that all our lads are thinking, we have to be there. 
and all our coaching staff, because all our supporters think it, but certainly those people who are who are have got the ability to get us there, they must be this must has really fueled their fire because playing for Ireland is the dream, of course it is. But it's always playing for Ireland at a World Cup. That is that's the dream that I had as a kid watching those guys in nineteen ninety, those pioneers. I think these players now we have and, and, and anyone who's potentially going to be around in four years' time, that has to be their desire. Absolutely, Gary. That's been great. Thanks for joining us um, in the World Cup throughout the tournament and a belated happy birthday for this week. You mentioned 16-year-old oh. in 1990 so people can walk yeah, it out. Oh, yeah, give the game away there. People are going, is that all he is? He looks a lot, he looks a lot older now. The old hair's gone. <laughs> Thank you. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been great talking to you guys and uh, though we're not over there, been great talking to Dan and hearing all the stories. So I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you both. Thanks very much, Dan. We'll be back later in the week to preview the final. And thanks as always for listening. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or watch us on YouTube or independent.ie. Thanks. Mm-hmm.